welcome to Pot on You Loons. Yeah, Pot on You Loons. Uh, we have Jeremy back in with us. How's it going, guys? Jeremy, good to see you. I'm actually like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guest star this time as opposed to, uh, you know, having to do your job for you, Justin. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you're here and I, I appreciate you that, that you were able to stand in my place. I heard it was a great episode, so. While you're quarantining in Hawaii. Wait, you didn't <laughs> Oh, listen? Lord. I, <laughs> I didn't listen. I'm sorry. You don't listen to this show? I do. I, I do listen to our show, but that was the week I was in Hawaii. I wasn't. I don't know. I was I was more concerned about all the like the world burning down around me, right? Like that's when all like the initial COVID nineteen stuff was happening. I, I love this podcast, but but listening to you guys talk about soccer during that time wasn't on the top of my list. I'm a little disappointed that uh, you know I hear about how James brings in all the ladies, and I'm not <laughs> not hearing any of that from my end. So I don't. I mean, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a little little upset about that. I had a lot of fun the episode you were on, Jeremy, but, y- you know, on our dashboard where it says our gender demographics, I didn't see that move at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I'll, it might have moved the opposite way. I, I don't know. I'll have to tell my mom about it this time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember when Justin was in Hawaii, I texted him and because, you know, every time you have a footprint in a new state, like on your dashboard on anchor where we host the podcast it tells you which states you're represented in and i was like oh justin could get hawaii while he's there and i text justin i was like hey you should download the podcast while you're in hawaii so that we're represented in hawaii and he's like ah, i'm already home i'm at cub foods <laughs> i'm sorry to let you down sam next time i'm next time i honeymoon in hawaii i'll make sure to listen okay yeah uh i'm gonna hold you to that yeah, we, we have an interesting episode today. So first of all, the three of us here on this episode are all teachers and school is out. We also have lots of talk on the MLS Players Union and the return of the MLS. We also have the return of the English Premier League, English football in general, and all the big leagues around Europe, the NWSL that we're going to touch on. But first... We're going to talk about something significantly more important than sport, significantly more important than this podcast. Rest in peace, George Floyd. It has been tough here in the Twin Cities since the news of George Floyd's murder. The reaction that we've all seen across this country, I think we can all agree this was a long time coming. Definitely did not come out of nowhere. No, that's for sure. Unfortunately, you know, and I say this as someone who is not a native of the Twin Cities, the Twin Cities have been a wonderful place for me these past nine years. And I think I speak for the two of you when I say it's been a wonderful place for you guys as well. Unfortunately, this has not necessarily been true for our Black neighbors, colleagues, friends, and family. And that breaks my heart. I think that, uh, you know, my wife is is mixed. And I think that's when I really started, even though I worked, I worked with you in, in a school that has mostly students of color. And I've worked 13 years in schools with students of color. I guess I never really noticed as much the impact. But once my wife moved here and I started to see it on a more regular basis, I had to start to see 
you know, how people treated us differently, her telling me her concerns or things that happened to her when she was out in the neighborhoods or out in public, you know, it just really, really made me realize that those problems that you often think are so far away are right on your doorstep. I mean, that's so true. I think this kind of brought to light a big issue that that we have in society these days is that things don't really, uh, I shouldn't say they don't bother us, but like we don't think about things unless they directly impact us, right? So having those direct experiences with things is what leads to change in, in awareness of stuff. And I think, you know, like just a lot of people in our country, a lot of people that look like us, you know, white people like us, we don't really get it because we never see it. And, you know, that video, I think that video is like the great, that's, that's the greatest thing for this, right? Like that showed what's happening. There's no excuses, right? There isn't the normal excuses every time one of these videos comes out for people to defend it that like, you know, like you should have just been doing what they said, right? Like that's what they always say. And we all saw that man helpless being murdered before our eyes. I think that's the most powerful part. And I think that's what kind of, you know, sparked everything. Going forward, we're going to hear a lot about police reform, but here's my plea that this goes beyond simply discussing police reform, which is needed, but we also need to reform society. If there's going to be true equality in this country and in this state, the three of us, we all work in education. We all work in different schools. Justin works in a very diverse school. I work mostly with an immigrant community even though most of my students have been born in the United States at this point. And Jeremy primarily works with the African-American community. The three of us can tell you as teachers that we need help. Our schools need help addressing the inequities which exist in our education system in order to stop failing our black students. Just giving you a quick rundown since I know most of you listening are not necessarily in education, this is all data that's easily accessible to all of you. Some of you may know it. There's billboards all over the city showcasing it. But I just want to give you a quick rundown. Here's the problem. The New York Times just reported, on average, a black person in Minnesota is going to make roughly one-third the income of a white person. And as a result, Most of our black students are enrolled in schools with concentrated poverty. You have all seen COVID-19 expose the reality that teachers at certain schools are not only focused on academics. When they sit down with their students every day, instead of just teaching, they are forced to prioritize things much lower on the hierarchy of needs. We're talking food, safety, counseling, you name it. This data I'm about to present to you is easily accessible. Google Minnesota report card and check it out for yourself. But let's talk proficiency quick. Every child in Minnesota is born with the same potential. Every child in Minnesota is born with the same potential. And then when they enter our society, here is what happens. 29.3% of our black students are proficient in math. That's only 29.3%. On the other hand, 66.7% of their white counterparts. And that's grades 3 to 12. In reading, 
it's only 39.2% of Minnesota's black students are proficient in reading, while 68.7% of their white counterparts are. Well, and before you move on to the other statistics, I mean, seeing the discrepancy between black and white students is horrible enough. But, I mean, it also goes into the systemic issue of education in general, the fact that only 66% in general, and it's probably actually a lower percentage if you took the totals, you know, for all students that aren't proficient. I mean, that's that means like, we're failing uh, one third of our population, probably more than that. And the majority of those that are being failed are African-American students. It's pretty sobering, especially as someone who works in education. You, you know, the three of us, our first job was all at the same school. Our first teaching job, when we were fresh out of college looking for employment, our first job was at a school where the majority of our students were English language learners. The majority of them were below grade level in reading and math. And nearly all of them were living within low-income households. Now, you wouldn't take a 23-year-old doctor and give them the most complicated surgery that had never been successful in medical history. But we do that with our teachers every year with little exception. Our schools that struggle the most have our youngest, most inexperienced teachers. And some of them stay, but the majority of them move on to opportunities and I don't blame them for this, but they move on to opportunities that pay them more money because they're looking out for their families. And I don't blame them for that. Well, but not I, just pay them, not, not just pay them more money, but you know, there's a level of personal well-being and stress that comes with teaching. I mean, when you, when you teach in an environment where you're dealing with a lot of, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for here a lot of challenges, I guess, for the lack of sense, I can't think of the word I'm trying to find. Those challenges start to come onto you as well. And it's, it, it wears on you. I'm in my third school with those same similar demographics in terms of students in poverty, free and reduced lunch, all that stuff. And, you know, every single day I go to work, I'm taking on some of that burden of those students. And Obviously, I've been doing it for 13, 14 years. I love it. And I, and I don't want to move to a, an easier school or a school with less challenges, but it doesn't mean it doesn't take its toll. I'll speak to that too. Like That was a big part for me. And it wasn't just the, the school that we taught at. I moved on to a rural school that struggled. But like the reason I chose where I teach now is because it is a diverse school where kids have success. And that's kind of what drew me in. But now that I'm there, I see that, you know, we still have discrepancies, right? Like we, we have, we're fortunate. I'm fortunate enough to be in a district with a ton of funding. We have, there's some really expensive houses where I teach and, you know, that allows us to get those tax dollars to, to give our kids the services they need. But that's a big thing within my district that we struggle with is, is the achievement gap between our, our white students and our students of color, you know, and, and it causes issues within our school. So I'm, I'm just going to read off a few more statistics for you. Justin typically is the stats guy on here, but 
again, these are easy to look up. Just Google Minnesota report card. They're right there. Graduation rates, we also need to improve on. We all know how few opportunities someone has without a high school diploma. Yet only 69.9% of our black students complete high school on time, compared to 88.7% of their white counterparts. We know that people who either have a college education, whether that is a two-year college where they learn a trade or a four-year university, we know that education opens doors to careers where people will earn a much higher income. Well, only 60% of our black students continue their education after high school compared to 72% of their white counterparts. And then once they're in higher education, only 71% of our black students who are enrolled in higher education make it to year two compared to 82% of their white counterparts. So what I'm saying is you all have local schools that are struggling. Those teachers are trying hard and they simply need more help. Again, we don't sit down with our students in the morning and just start teaching because there are higher concerns that are there that we need to address first. We need more help. We need help to reverse this trend that has been allowing inequality to continue within our society. So I'm saying support your schools, fund them, donate supplies, volunteer, do what you can. Be a coach, be an after-school tutor. Check out if there's any summer opportunities, but don't just volunteer and then leave. That would be the worst thing you could do. But be involved because our schools need help. And that's what's going to make this world better for George Floyd's daughter. Well, and I think to kind of echo that, Sam, I think the plea I would make is that as white educators who teach predominantly with um, students of color, everything you do, you're being judged on and you're being watched. And those kids are looking to see what side of the fence you're on. And they have a reason to look to you just because of the color of our skin and say that maybe they don't trust us so much. And it's on us to help be that change, to show that we are there for the community and that we are there to make a difference. And this isn't, you know, I think sometimes people get offended by like that savior complex. Like I'm going into the, the poor schools. It's not that. It's legitimately being real with who you are and just being real with those students and treating them with the respect that they deserve, telling them that they matter and showing them that they matter every day. And that's not just for educators, anyone who works with youth, like be the change you want to be, be a leader in that regard, because that's what's going to help our youth be the ones who really create this change. Yeah. We, t- and we talk a lot about, you know, how important it is to create a, a safe culture for schools, right? Like that's, that's what our kids need. I mean, what we're talking about right now with all, you know, with George Floyd is the unsafeness in the street for these people of color, right? Or especially our black people in, the, in our society. They, 
They do not feel safe out in public for fear of being targeted because of the, because of the color of their skin, right? So something that as teachers that we need to aspire to do is to make it so school is a safe place for them to feel that acceptance, to feel that love, and to feel as though they aren't being they, they aren't being negatively targeted by the way they look. And I we've seen it all. Like a lot of kids come in with with a rough exterior and it's our job as educators to find a way to break that down to give them that love to allow them to be comfortable you know, because that, that leads to success for these kids. All right. We're going to break now and we'll be back. We have plenty of soccer updates for all of you. Rock and roll. All right. Welcome back to Pod on You Loons. Before we get going, we just have a little bit of a question for Justin regarding last episode. Justin, the question is, how dare you? How, how dare, dare you? How dare I? How dare you invite a domestic (laughs) terrorist onto the show? You allowed a domestic terrorist to infiltrate Pot on your loons and spit out his commie propaganda, terrorist (laughs) propaganda. How dare you? Uh, I just wanted to apologize to our, our, our listeners for subjecting them to the propaganda no, uh, uh, oh my gosh! Don't don't even get me started, Sam. Don't even get me started. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny for us to have a conversation about you know like the Antifa connection with with the Portland Timbers, and then and then and two weeks later they get called a a terrorist organization. So if the government's listening right now, we are not Antifa. <laughs> we are not Antifa. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> but. We know where one of their operatives lives. Just look for a guy wearing a plaid pink soccer jersey that has a lot of scarves. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's who you want. Go get him. Oh, man. Sorry, Nate. Sorry to sorry to, <laughs> sorry, sorry to put you out there. I'm just kidding. Nate, we had a ton of fun with you last, uh, last episode, and we, we hope you come on again, even though you're a domestic terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like throwing that label out there lightly, huh? <laughs> I mean, if you get called a domestic terrorist by the president, the president of the United States, just because you have a shirt with some arrows on it, I, I mean, you got to wear that like a badge of honor, right? For sure. You know, in our world right now, it's it's crazy with all the all the conspiracy theories and stuff. Actually, before I came on here, I was I was looking at a Twitter and some Fox News person retweeted uh, something that jokingly referred to juggalos as being a term of someone within the within Antifa within Antifa. So Jug- <laughs> shout out to all juggalos? you don't you mean don't you mean boogaloos? No, 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 no. This this said that the lowest rank in Antifa was a juggalo. And I don't I don't think she caught that that was that was a joke because I don't think the insane clown posse has anything to do with this. <laughs> Wasn't that a Rob Schneider movie, too? Oh, uh, Deuce that Bigelow? Was a, wasn't that like Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? What, no, well, then I heard, I heard that the Boogaloos are just people that wear Hawaiian shirts. And I was like, I love a Hawaiian shirt. Am I a Boogaloo? I know. Like, is, is, are Hawaiian shirts canceled? Can I not wear a Hawaiian shirt anymore? 
Wait, I thought like, it was wait, I thought it was fat guys that wore Hawaiian shirts. What's they they can't have that. That's for us. <laughs> like they talked about how in Minneapolis there were they were guys they were wearing Hawaiian shirts with their their AR fifteens over them. So as Jeremy, as long as you don't rock a AR fifteen with your Hawaiian shirt, I think you're okay. I don't think that's gonna ever happen. <laughs> but but Jeremy, with your Hawaiian shirt, and I hope it's a Green Bay Packer Hawaiian shirt, FYI. I don't but have one with, of those, but really, I have Green Bay Packer Hawaiian pants. <laughs> I I got a lot of things, but I don't have the Hawaiian shirt yet. I have a poncho. Is there anything well, the, wrong with? Can Can I wear a poncho still? Just be careful, Jeremy. If you you buy a Green Bay Packers Hawaiian shirt, you might get flagged as a domestic terrorist. You know, because they're yeah. <laughs> there's only room for one domestic terrorist. On this <laughs> I'm sorry, Nate, that you're a domestic terrorist. But Jeremy, I guess, is a boogaloo, and uh, I think instead of an AR-15, you should carry around your NES Zapper. I don't have one of those either. <laughs> when we were roommates, didn't we have a Zapper? It's possible. I don't even really know what a zapper is, but it's possible. Talking about duck hunt? Like, are you talking about like duck hunt? Duck hunt. Duck hunt. I, don't, I think that was when you were living with someone else, Sam. I didn't, I don't, I never, I didn't have one of those. I had a Nintendo. But no I have hunt. a zapper. Did I bring my zapper? I think we had your zapper then. Whoa, I never whoa. had a zapper. Are you a boogaloo? Sam? I might be a boogaloo. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Okay. All right. Well, we we should just move on before we incriminate ourselves. Oh, man. I, are those helicopters? Well, hey, school's out. School's out for the summer. Guys, oh, how man. are you doing? How are you feeling this time? How, how do you normally feel this time? How are you feeling now? Like, what's up? Well, for me, it's weird because the day that school got out became the time that now I have to go into work more. Because we're moving. So like I literally hadn't left my house in two months. And now I have to go into work like every day next week. So it's actually become more work being out of school. It's weird. I think the the hardest thing is, is like, since I only had such few students like that actually checked in with me directly and that I worked with, like I really just didn't get to say like, say goodbye to any of my kids. Like I had two eighth graders that I worked with. So I went to their houses and did graduation with them. But other than that, the rest of those eighth graders, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. I haven't seen them since April. That's hard. And it just, it doesn't feel like, I don't know. just feels like on Monday I should be getting back up and sitting in front of my computer all day again. So it's just, it's weird. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in a similar boat, Jeremy. I, this was just, it's just so strange. Cause normally, normally the end of the year is like the celebration, right? I teach middle school, a six through eight building. So like, this is, you know, obviously just like any other school, right? Like you, the last week of school is getting excitement for summer, you know, everything's done. Say goodbye to the eighth graders, you know, all the, the sixth and the seventh graders get to call themselves the next grade or whatever, but we didn't, we didn't get any of that. Right. We had some like digital yearbook stuff where kids sent those out, but it really wasn't the same. It's just kind of bummer. It was like the most anticlimactic end of the year ever. The last day of school was was Thursday. And yeah, I just sat in front of my computer and didn't really do much. Well, and, like half my kids didn't even show up on the last day of school. So it's like, <laughs> like I, I guess the last day of school was yesterday. No one told <laughs> Right, <me>. right. Oh. <laughs> the structure of my school is very similar to Jeremy's where... 
we're charter schools that are K-8, and we're not really connected to another high school. So when our kids graduate eighth grade, that's a pretty big deal because they're not going to see a lot of each other, you know, going forward. And uh, I'm happy that we have a decent culture of alums coming back and visiting their teachers, but not all of them will. So it was really weird to have the absence of closure that the graduation ceremony provides. And we told them we're going to invite them back. I told them I was going to order like Afro Deli or something good like that so that they all want to come back and have a party once it's safe to come back. But the reality is not all of them will. If 90% of them come back for this party, you know, that's pretty good in my book. Still that 10%, they're just gone and we never really got to say goodbye. And that's tough. It's also weird that you know, the end of the school year is for teachers too, right? Like this is usually a time of celebration for us. For better or worse, you guys are my end of the year party this year. <laughs> Cheers to that, man. Cheers to that. Honestly, like, I don't even know what staff members are returning or not. I mean, like they didn't make any kind of announcement or they didn't say like who's not coming back. Like normally you know, you're all around, you know, you talk to each other, but like, I don't even know, like, I might not know until I walk in the door in August. If I get to walk in the door in August, I, whoa, I, might, whoa, not, whoa. <laughs> I might not, I might not know who's even going to be my coworker. <laughs> That's tough. You know, I think it was June, 2013 was when the three of us experienced the end of the school year together. Because for the 2012-2013 school year, we were all employed at the same school, which I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> and for who? And for who, yeah. I was going to say, I had a good time, right? I enjoyed it. I think that 2012-2013 end of the school year, and I'm not just trying to like you, you know make you guys feel good, but I think that that was the best end of the school year I've ever had. So- I just want to ask you, what do you guys remember about that? I'll have a few things to share too, but what do you guys remember? So Sam, Sam, one of my things was when I saw you, you start showing movies, I knew that it was okay for me to show movies in class. That was one of the <laughs> things that I remember. I was like, okay, Sam's like, Sam's so by the book and he's so like, you know, follow the rules guy. If Sam's going to show movies, I'm definitely going to show movies. <laughs> It was Despicable Me and Cool Runnings, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying, you know, I don't know. I never, the end of the years of every year becomes so blurry to me because I always taught eighth grade. So like the end of the year was always really emotional for me because I get really connected with my students. And so like, it's a real like big saying goodbye thing. But I'm trying to remember is it the year that Justin was there that we had the big snowstorm and every school but ours canceled? Or was that not the Justin year? That was the year after me. That was the year after you because I knew it was at the new building. And I was, wasn't sure if you, because like those are the kinds of things I think about, you know, something there, there was a phrase that we stole from a movie that was <laughs> uh, pretty consistently used by us which was just drilling holes <laughs> and justin was the one that so that is still i, I originated that 
So I still work at that school. All these years later, I still work at that school. And we still use that phrase. And it originated by Justin, who worked there for a handful of months. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I could leave my mark. Justin, where did you get that phrase from? It's it's such a great movie. Super bad. It was my high school, like the high school movie that you relate with the most. For me, it was super bad. You know, that mantra has kind of stuck with me because that's, you know, it's kids and it's teachers. The two the last two weeks of school are always like that, no matter where I've been. And it's just a good mantra, right? Two weeks of school, drilling holes. When we you should have gotten t-shirts. <laughs> we still can. <laughs> <laughs> When you work in schools, you realize, yeah, the last two weeks of school, you might as well not be there. Other than the fact that if you weren't there, then the previous two weeks of school would be the last two weeks of school. (laughs) So really, the only reason you go to school the last two weeks is so that the previous two weeks can mean something. Because the last two weeks of school, they're a total lost cause. You're just drilling holes. It's Michael Sarah going up to uh, Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah says, what are you making? And Jonah Hill is at the drill and he's going, Oh, it's the, it's the other way around, Sam. Oh, other way around. Oh, never mind. Michael Sarah is at the drill and he has a block of wood and he says, I'm just drilling holes <laughs> last two weeks. <laughs> F it. <laughs> Uh, I'm Sam, you never told me that that stuck. I'm honored to be the originator of a tradition at your school. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you've had more impact in just a few months that you worked there than I have in nine years. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the Zuba Day only lasted like one year. Oh, I got to bring really, back Zuba Day. Zuba Day needs to come back. Zuba Day does need to come back. Ah, oh, damn. That was a good one. Zuba Day. <laughs> I, I still right. I still cherish the picture of me, you, and the intern in our suits and Zuba pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I just remember telling you, because we knew we were going to wear Zubas to school that day. And I was like, should we wear like suit and tie above our Zubas? You just look at me and you're like, that would class things up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That still was, yeah, one of my favorite one of my favorite memories of working ever. So, so hey, should we talk yeah, soccer? Go ahead. Soccer? We on our soccer say, podcast. I was gonna say, wait, now that we're an hour in, should we should we talk some <laughs> soccer? <laughs> I don't think we're an hour in. <laughs> All right. The MLS is coming back. We have a return to play update. They did it, Sam. They figured it out. They did it. But honestly, guys, I don't even know where to begin. So two weeks ago, we talked about the MLS's plan for a summer World Cup style tournament that would take place in Orlando. So make sure to check out uh, episode 11, part one, for more details. If you want some context of what turned into to- into a total soap opera or to you know hear the voice of a domestic terrorist which he came back for part 2 also so and that'll probably be know. the last time he comes back based on the defamation <laughs> of character that has happened on this episode shout out Nate yeah so again where to begin 
So apparently everything we talked about with the domestic terrorist in the last episode, we got it from The Athletic, which is a very reputable news source for for sports. I recommend you subscribe to it. And they don't pay me to say that. That was all leaked by someone that works for the MLS. We got the article from The Athletic. And then a day later, MLS commissioner Don Garber, he sent out a memo threatening the entire league and all club employees with fines up to $1 million and termination if they were found to be the ones leaking the information to The Athletic. Uh, side uh, note, Sam, we think we found that out because The Athletic leaked or <laughs> leaked it as well, right? That that's We found out after the fact that the reason we found out about the fine is that someone leaked it to The Athletic <laughs> that they were going to get fined. <laughs> so Commissioner Garber's memo stated that the league's information was hurting their negotiations with players, their business partners, local authorities. But specifically, it seems that the MLS was concerned about their negotiations with the MLS Players Association regarding pay cuts and, you know, of course, requ- requiring players to spend most of their summer in Orlando without their families. It seems like a really terrible double down by Garber to like pretty much come out and say like, Hey, don't, don't tell people about this. Like we're, we're trying to negotiate here. And you're most of the stuff you're reporting doesn't make us look very good. So uh, maybe if you guys can just shut up a little bit, like we could, we could continue to, to screw our players and get this started. That's the way it feels. Whether it's true or not, it's how it feels. So, The next chapter in this story took place on May 29th, the MLS Players Association. They voted on their proposal for their return, and their return, I thought it was pretty reasonable. Their plan was they fly to Orlando on June 24th for a maximum of six weeks, which was down from the eight to 10 that the MLS originally proposed. They would have two weeks prior of training. To actually starting the game. So they'd be in Orlando for two weeks of training. And then there would only be three group stage games. And of the three group stage games, all of the points would count towards the regular season. And then any team that didn't make it past the group stage or got knocked out in the knockout rounds, they got to fly back home instead of competing in a consolation tournament. One thing they did say, though, was that any modifications to their collective bargaining agreement must be ratified before anyone was to go to Orlando. And of course, most of those modifications would have regarded cuts and compensation to the players. But then it escalated further because the league responded by threatening a lockout. So the threat of a lockout occurred basically in the dispute of what the force majeure clause was within the bargaining agreement. Now, in this COVID era, we've been hearing a lot about force majeure in many different areas, but a force majeure basically is written into an agreement to allow parties to back out of an agreement should a circumstance beyond anyone's control come into play, you know, like a global pandemic. Well, in this case, the MLS wanted to include a force majeure 
to specifically mention that if five teams experience a 25% drop in attendance from the previous season, that they had force majeure, which considering we're still going through a pandemic, that seemed pretty likely. So it looked like the league was going to be headed into a lockout, which would have essentially halted everything, including pay and insurance for the players. To connect things closer to home, former loon and fan favorite Christian Ramirez tweeted, and I'll, I'll quote, And no health care. Not important with pregnant wife due next month, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the global pandemic going on. Roasted. Roasted. So kind of going back earlier on to what you were saying, because obviously there's like many facets of this. But the thing that I kept kind of running through my head was, you know, we're talking about this tournament they're going to play in Orlando. And I know, did they, is it official now that the winner of this tournament is getting a spot in the end of year, like uh, the winner champions tournament or whatever it is? The like CONCACAF the Champions Conca League? Cave Champions League. I've seen pretty reputable people confirm that, but I haven't seen the league confirm that. Okay. But I've seen people reputable enough confirm that. So my question, I guess, is, and maybe I'm jumping ahead of what we're kind of looking at, but is that enough of a carrot to possibly have your team play four extra games or three extra games more than those teams that got knocked out early? I think so. I also think the there's a million-dollar prize pool for the winner, and I'm not quite sure how that's dispersed. At this point, it sounded like that might go to charity to the city, you know, in efforts to strengthen the community after COVID-19. But no MLS team at this point has ever won the CONCACAF Champions League. And the CONCACAF Champions League, the winner of that gets to play in the Club World Cup, which means that they're going against whoever won the UEFA Champions League. I think in this country, that hasn't really caught on, again, because no MLS team has ever won the CONCACAF Champions League. But in, say, South America or Mexico, I don't live in South America or Mexico, so I'm just going by what other people have told me. But where English fans will complain about the Club World Cup or Spanish fans will complain about the Club World Cup, to the teams that are representing South America from Argentina or Brazil, that is a huge deal because that is their opportunity to go up against a Real Madrid, to go up against a Bayern Munich, a Liverpool. So I think for a MLS team to try to be that first MLS team to make it as champions of the CONCACAF Champions League and qualify for the Club World Cup. I think that's a pretty big deal personally. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, Sam. I mean, it it you know, from what it sounds like though in the past, some teams haven't really taken it seriously because they it's just a, you know, it's just another game in certain respect, right? Like that it's just another thing they have to do. And maybe right, maybe maybe that will change, you know, after this, but yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a carrot, but I I could be wrong. All right, so yeah, so so finally the return to play plan was approved. 
So by Wednesday, June 3rd, the return to play plan was approved by the, the MLS Players Association. Uh, players are going to take a 5% pay cut for the rest of the season. Uh, that's that's pretty that's, that's pretty good for the players to have bargained that because I read I read somewhere that the the league was was trying to get them to have a 50% pay cut. So so 5% is a little nicer than 50% pay cut. Teams and individuals like Sam said uh, they're they're capped at are capped to a five million dollar pool and a million dollar goes to the uh, the Orlando tournament. All previously agreed items from the CBA have been pushed back one year from 2021 to 2022. Players will receive a decrease in shared television revenue because you know less games. But the force majeure clause tied to the attendance was removed. Uh, so what does this mean for the Orlando tournament? Teams within states who have been allowed to return to full team training are allowed to stay home until right before the tournament. Other teams like the California teams will have to train or will have to travel to Orlando early. Then in early July, the tournament begins. Minnesota was placed in a group with other Western Conference teams. So they're going to play three group stage matches that will count towards the regular season table. The top two teams for the four groups advance into the quarterfinals, and then winners earn a berth, as we said before, into the CONCACAF Champions League and the bonus money. Uh, do we know if if they're going to take this, or is it going to go to charity? Do we know that yet? At this point, I'm still confused on if that goes into the players' pockets or if it goes to local charities of their home market. We'll, we'll update you on that in the next episode. So, So now that we know what the plan is, what do you guys think? You know, Jeremy, you're you're kind of a casual Loons fan. Are you going to tune in to watch this tournament? So, I mean, I don't know for sure if I will if I will necessarily tune in and watch it, but I will say that like as someone who rarely tunes into MLS soccer anyway, every, everybody who knows me knows how much I love a bracket, knows how much I love a tournament. So, that intrigues me. I think the World Cup idea, the World Cup style play is a fun idea. I think at the very least, I will be following the results. I may not sit down and watch full games. I maybe, you know, if the loons kind of move on and maybe they get past the group stage, I might watch a couple games just to see if they can pull it off. But um, I, I definitely think I'll be following it. And I think it'll connect me more with the team in terms of kind of continuing to follow them as the regular season goes through. Yeah, Justin, I think you and I, I think we're all in. I think any Loons game for sure I'm going to watch. And then the other MLS games, it, it'll probably be more like if I'm, you know, just hanging out with my daughter, I'll have it on in the background. Or, you know, if I'm getting some grad school work done, I'll have it on in the background. But I am pretty excited to it. My main thing is if the group stage results are going to count for the regular season, this is not a preseason tournament. This isn't preseason. If the results of the group stage count, it's no longer preseason. Right. So I guess my thought is, and maybe Jeremy's onto something here, but why don't we just have the first five games back from COVID all be in Orlando and then everyone returns home and it's not a tournament. It's just sustaining the season while local markets are preparing to return to sports after COVID. That that's my main question. I don't know if you guys have anything to that. 
I mean, I, I think I think the reason, you know, and it kind of speaks to what we talked about in the last podcast. I think the reason why they are putting them, you know, in the the table standings is to make it matter for those teams that that don't expect to win or, you know, for teams that maybe would have looked at to this as like a preseason thing. Right. You know, this is going to count towards the standings. These points matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. So teams are going to put forth their best effort to help them be successful down the road. I think the reason why you have the tournament is to spark that interest, right? Like you're creating something hopefully exciting right out the gate. That's not just regular season, regular season games. Uh, Like Jeremy said, right? Jeremy kind of pointed out like the casual fan too. the tournament might be the appealing aspect. The world cup aspect might bring in, you know, soccer fans that live in the States that don't care about MLS that tournament field might make them interested. I, I think that those sound like good ideas to me. Well, and, and I think I'm still really stuck on it's to me, it's such a double-edged sword because if you do poorly, if you do poorly in the opening round, it's three games. So let's just say you lose all three and you don't get any points. Like that sucks. But now you get to go home and some of these other teams are going to have to play three more games that your team doesn't have to. And, and in the general scheme of things in a long season, three games doesn't really matter. But when you're condensing everything and everything's kind of being like completely different, I mean, like, you know, Sam, you made the point, there's no preseason. They're going to have two weeks of practice and all of a sudden the first game, they time they get in the field, it counts. And so like, it just, it seems to me like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you do well in this tournament, you have to play all these extra games, and now you're going to be playing a condensed schedule on top of that. How sustainable is that? And on the other side of it, if you do poorly, you're sinking to the bottom of the standings, and you know, but your your team's getting rest, so which maybe means you're going to be better off at the end of the year. So I don't know. It, it seems that's the only part that seems iffy to me. I will agree with Justin though. I mean, as someone, let's just be honest, like I probably watch two, maybe three Loons games a year. Like that would be my general, like how much I would watch them. I follow them. You know, I, I, anytime they play, I check the scores. I watch the highlights, but I, I generally will watch two to three games a year. I am more likely to watch this tournament than I would be if they just played five regular season games in Orlando. Because of the bracket and the drama that surrounds the bracket. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that that's what they're going for. Honestly, I think that they're trying to build some momentum, trying to, you know, this nation right now is desperate for live sporting events, whether they are in person or on TV, which they're going to have to be for the foreseeable future. And I think that they're trying to capitalize on that and, I think Jeremy just hit the nail on the head right there. So what are, do you, how are they determining who's in each of the, um, in each of the, the pools? Are they doing like a drawing? So we discussed this in the last episode. So in the Western conference, Seattle is put into one group because they are the champions. LAFC is put into another group because they won the supporter shield for the team that had the best regular season. And then in the Eastern conference, Atlanta's put into one group because they won the U S open cup and Orlando is put into the other group because they are the hosts technically. 
Every other team is randomly drawn. And Nashville has to be in the Eastern Conference because I think eventually they're going to be in the Eastern Conference anyway. Are they going to show the like draw on TV? Because I'd watch that. That would be sweet. I hope they do. You, you know, as someone that tunes into the FA Cup draw and finds it entertaining. The FA Cup draw is awesome. It's great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, and, I'm not and, knocking it. And just in this in this 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 world where sports are limited, people are interested like these things that maybe weren't as important in the past, right? Like it's sports still. That draw is still sports, even if it's not the game. It's something to to get excited for, to think about, to root for. I'm calling it right now. If I can't watch the draw on TV and Minnesota gets screwed in any way, it's a conspiracy. So I'm saying rigged. Yeah. Rigged. So just, <laughs> I'm putting it out there. You know, it's 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 recorded live. So we're gonna get like on, we're gonna get like Seattle and like LAFC. We're just gonna get hosed. Well, we can't get Seattle and LAFC because they're oh, in- you paying attention, Justin, like two minutes ago. <laughs> reverse, reverse. No, I, I think the more the the conspiracy will be in the Eastern Conference because they could, by theory, all the heavy hitters in the Eastern Conference could end up in Atlanta's group, where all you know the Cincinnati's of the world could end up in Orlando's group. And if that would happen, you could see a scenario where, you know, a team like Cincinnati or Nashville, they have, you know, their shot at making it into the knockout stages. And then in the knockout stages, I mean, anything can happen. It's not like there's going to be home field advantage for anyone. Right. So plus plus they would get the points that go along with being in that group. So you could get a team that normally would maybe be at the bottom of the table who ends up getting nine points. Right. So other than, than having that moment where I wasn't paying attention to you, Sam, I also almost said like, yeah, I bet you, I bet you if they rig it, they'll rig it towards Atlanta having an easy run to showcase the golden boy of the league, Yosef Martinez. And I completely forgot because we haven't had sports in months. He tore his ACL. Remember yeah. that? You remember that was like it felt like it felt like a year ago. What a season to tear your ACL, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like not that tearing your ACL is good, but if you were to pick a season to tear your ACL, that there it is, right? <laughs> not not to go, I guess, you know, we can go as far down the rabbit hole as we want, but but I saw like this crazy stat cuz all these sports, right, are talking about their return to play. And they said that the NBA currently, the the amount of time that they've been off is like the normal off season, right? You know, so these these NBA teams have had a off season worth of time off between that when they played last and now to go into like playoff mode. Well, and think about what that's doing to them psychologically. Like these NBA players have just been at home for months now, sitting quietly by themselves. Just fearing the deer. <laughs> Giannis, like Giannis has just been getting swole. He's just been in the gym the oh whole time. Oh my God. He's going to be coming out <laughs> so swole. They're just going to get rocked by the Greek freak. I'm calling it right now. Fear the deer. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately because, you know, you have the NHL has come out and announced their tournament. The NBA has announced their tournament. 
MLS has announced their tournament. Premier League's back. Like, um, all that stuff. I know we're getting to that in a minute. But, like, all of a sudden, we're going to go from, like, no sports to, to like, all the sports. 47 <laughs> tournaments all going on at once with, like, this condensed, like, oh, and all man. of a sudden, people are going to be like, I hate sports. They're everywhere. Well, I can't. Can we just, like, get rid of some of these sports? Should we oh, have man. a special podcast that just features our three wives complaining about this? <laughs> <laughs> that's oh my gosh we have that conversation all the time Mich- michelle has talked about that she's she's like you know i get to spend so much more time with you and i don't have to sit through these sporting events it's like the blessing in disguise i guess right i'll, I'll be honest for me it's i'm gonna watch the same amount of sports whether they're on or not um <laughs> it's uh but that's because i have the i have the kid that's not my wife that's I've uh, resorted to going back and watching uh, old WWF pay-per-view events. So I I think I'm on like 1996 right now. So good times. I like how you say resorted because I lived with you for three years, Jeremy, and you did that (laughs) when there was no COVID. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just, you know, you got to have sports going. You can't, I had to, I had to fill the void. Jeremy, yeah, you're you're currently then at the that's that was like my wheelhouse of fandom. It's, I had like this... we're moving towards the attitude era. That's yeah. We're getting oh there. man, so, yeah. That's my like second like I I'm an original like Ultimate Warrior like old school guy, but then I had like my second sort of wind when the Attitude Era came in. So I'm pretty excited. Per- personal note, personal note. I I would like to admit that I cried. When Goldberg's streak ended, you know, when Goldberg had his, his, his now, like now that we know it was like this fictitious, right? How many, how many matches in the row was he supposedly won? Like a hundred? Something crazy like that. Yeah. And I I cried because of that, because his streak ended because of wrestling. Good times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of sports coming back. Let's talk about <laughs> the return of the Premier League and all the other big leagues around Europe. Some of the smaller leagues around Europe have already come back, or I shouldn't just say Europe because South Korea is back too. And speaking of South Korea, we all saw how <laughs> FC Seoul, they uh, they filled their stands for sure in uh, <laughs> the most inappropriate way. I'm disappointed. It was an accident. I'm disappointed. They should not have apologized for that. I think that they should have stood behind that decision, and that others should have followed. I, you know, I wanna, I wanna believe, I wanna believe that it was an accident. That some guy was just like, oh, like I'm just gonna buy, you know, like a large quantity of these, these, these dolls. Right? They're gonna be great for the stands. These life size dolls for a specific purpose. Well. <laughs> No. They're all cheering. They look like they're cheering. <laughs> I think it was calculated, though. I think it was an advertising marketing ploy because they all had like a web address on them. So I I think it was very calculated. They took their fine. But I think given that we're in Minnesota and we're hearing about something that happened in South Korea, right. I think that whatever company they made an agreement with, I think that they got their advertising uh I'm not a marketing mind, but well, I here, think it worked. Here's what I hope. I hope that, um, you know, that they were thinking that they weren't going to get a bunch of flack for it and they were going to do it at all the games. And now they have this, like, abundance of um, these <laughs> dolls in, like, storage. And so, like, next season, 
they're gonna when the fans are back, they'll have like a doll giveaway, like Robo first, night. <laughs> first five thousand fans, you know. <laughs> I don't they know. Could, they could auction them off or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> if, on that note, <laughs> for for teams that are not looking to uh, make advertising agreements with doll manufacturers, I've seen that Danish teams are filling their stadiums by using large video screens and having people log in via Zoom, so you can buy a ticket to watch your Danish Super League team. And your face is there in the crowd on a video screen. You're just logged in on Zoom. So, oh man, that I mean, I have a a bone to pick with that one, Sam. That could never work here, by the way. Like that's that's like we could not do that in America. I'm surprised. And like that roulette did, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you? I mean, we like you hear the horrors of of university Zoom calls where random people jumped in and did lewd things, right? You couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, you could not. It'd be chat roulette. You're 100% correct, Sam. Well, they could never do that here. Not to mention the people who jump in and do lewd things. Then there's the people who are actually, like, legitimately on the call that forget and, like, <laughs> go pee on the call and, like, whatever. Like, you know, people people forget they're on their phone and then anything goes. <laughs> I think the phrase is, this is why we can't have nice things. Correct. <laughs> Maybe this I like more, the next idea. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is more up uh, America's alley. So in the Czech Republic, they're showing games on, they're showing live games in drive-in theaters, whether they are existing drive-in theaters or makeshift drive-in theaters, doesn't matter. Cars are rolling in, they have the fans, they're cheering, chanting together and uh, watching the games live on a large screen. That's cool, right? That is that, so cool. That's certainly better than Fox Sports pumping fake noise into the Bundesliga games. That was that was crazy watching those games. They have <laughs> like it's just like the 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 sound. They just they're like, hey, let's just put random noises from games that have nothing to do with the flow of the game. Well, did you see that? Like when they they were talking about the NFL when it comes back, like they were Fox was talking about like doing like CGI fans. And they were going to have like the whole stadium filled with like CGI like people. And I'm like, that's really dumb. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, if you're going to do that, like make it, you know, maybe have some sort of censorship for, you, you know, so it doesn't turn into chat roulette. But what the Danish people were doing in their Super League, like, if you're going to do that, it should be real fans. It can't be CGI fans. It can't just be what you see in Madden because that's lame. It's lame in Madden. It's going to be even lamer in real life. Yep. I mean, I, I honestly think the solution, if if there aren't fans in stadiums, you know, take a, take a page from these golf events that have been happening and just mic everybody up. I know that in the NFL, it might, you know, obviously there's, there might be some language issues and stuff, I guess, any sport in general. Who but cares? Do it. It would be awesome. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if everyone was mic'd up and that's what we got to hear? Very cool. Like the trash talk? Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. Well, and technology is there where, like, I don't know who the NFL equivalent of Kevin Garnett is, but the technology is there that you could have 
the rated G version of NFL mic'd up and you could have the rated R version of NFL mic'd up and you could, you know, you could access that accordingly based on what experience you were looking for, whether you, again, I don't know who the Kevin Garnett is in the NFL. Um, <laughs> have like, I have like specific channels like this channel. You can listen to Kirk cousins be like, ah, oh, geez, the whole time and then go to a different one. And there's just <laughs> <laughs> Go to a different one and they're just f bombs galore. Yeah, maybe that yeah. that's what I'm, they should do. I'm watching all the Saints games then because I want to hear what the, the other opposing teams are saying to Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. I, you know, as a Packer fan, I mean, I would love to tune into AJ Hawk, but he's retired. But David Bakhtiari, I bet he knows how to party. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what were we talking about? I think. We, oh yeah. So. <laughs> Some leagues have already returned, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and Belarus never stopped playing. Belarus just kept going. Belarus never stopped playing for some reason. And I watched it for a little bit before we recorded a podcast about it, and I started feeling guilt. Okay. Um, But so South Korea is back. They have dolls in the stands. Cool. Denmark is back. They they have these video screens with people playing chat roulette. No, No evidence of that. It sounds like they've all been civil. The Czech Republic's back. They have drive-in theaters. That's cool. But I'm sorry, guys, because I'm not going to pay any attention to you anymore because the big guys are back. All right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the Bundesliga, man? Yeah, they're one of the big leagues. Bundesliga is one of the the top four leagues in Europe, and the rest of them are back as well. They're following the lead of the Bundesliga, and they are coming back. So, so next up is La Liga. So they're going to start on uh, Thursday, June 11th. There's going to be some high drama in that league, right? So with 11 games remaining, Barcelona is only two points ahead of Real Madrid. So that should be some good end of the end of the year drama. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I wish I could watch it. You know, being sports is on like no cable packages in the United States. So I can't watch that, but I'm excited to see what happens. My favorite, the English Premier League, comes back on June 17th, where the four teams that have a game in hand are going to start things off. We have relegation-threatened Aston Villa against surprise top-four candidate in Sheffield United, duking it out. And then in the second game, we have Manchester City, uh, who is currently in second place, taking on mid-table Arsenal. No, no, not mid-table Arsenal. We're in like sixth. (laughs) You're ninth. Look at a table. You're in ninth. We're like one point out of sixth. You're still in ninth. And until you're not in ninth, you're mid-table. All right? (sighs) But June 19th, they're all back. We have 92 total matches left to play. They're staggering these things to get as much TV time as possible to make their their TV partners around the world happy so that they don't have to give any money back. And with nine games left to play, Liverpool seemed to have won it. But there is a tight Champions League race and an interesting relegation battle. And not that it's very likely, but wouldn't it be the funniest thing in the world if Liverpool somehow blew this, Man City ends up winning only to have their season null and void because of the penalties they've committed and have Liverpool just like 
lacklusterly just given the title that they can't be proud of. TV gold, right? TV gold. <laughs> so speaking of Liverpool, what do you think about the the restrictions that they've put on Liverpool where they can't play a clinching scenario game at home? It sucks for those fans as a Chelsea fan. And I don't have anything against Liverpool. Honestly, one of the or one of our old colleagues that reintroduced me to soccer. I, I originally got into soccer when I studied in England and kind of lost touch until I worked at this school. And one of my colleagues was a big Liverpool fan, kind of reintroduced me to it. You know, I'm kind of happy for him that he gets to finally see Liverpool win a Premier League title after he's been such a loyal fan for his entire life. I know a lot of fans of other teams are just kind of mocking them that they don't really get to celebrate their championship. At the same time, it's the right thing to do. You can't have these large crowds coming together, hugging, yelling, all these things. You just you can't have that. I don't know. It happened here for the last couple of weeks. That was different. I mean, <laughs> it was different, but I mean, like, I, I and I don't, I, I know that, you know, not something to joke about. And I say that in jest a little bit, but like, it's going to happen. And they win the league. You think that like, because the game is not in Liverpool, that everybody's just going to stay home. I mean, like, that, it's just, it's just like, it's, I don't know. I, I see what your point is. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think fans are going to celebrate either way. Like, let them have that moment. I don't know. I think you're right, Jeremy. I think that I think that you know, regardless of what limitations are, you know, it's it's not enforceable, right? Like, not. I mean, it is to a certain extent, but they're not gonna they're not gonna bring the national guard to stop people from celebrating in the streets. Hopefully, right? We will see. It sounds like in the Bundesliga so far, and granted, there is not a situation like Liverpool winning the English Premier League for the first time. You know, people forget just because they've won, just because they've won the first division back in the day, they've never won the Premier League. So them winning the Premier League will be an incredibly huge deal. There is nothing like that in Germany. So... In Germany, where you're seeing that people aren't going to the stadium to celebrate, people aren't doing that, that's not necessarily going to be the case in England, where, yeah, for fans of other teams, it's kind of funny to see Liverpool have to go through this, where they finally win, and it's during COVID. But, yeah, I get it. They're going to want to celebrate. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. I'd like to think if I was in their shoes, I'd stay home and celebrate. But I don't know. I think in the case of what's gone on here in the past, you know, a little over a week, I think we would say that just things more important have happened. But sports in the grand scheme of things, they're a distraction. They're not important. They're a distraction. You, you know, they're they're good for community building. They are important, but there are things. Well, I mean. Sam, it's a it's tough for us with our perspective because we cheer for winners. Justin might understand <laughs> a little more as a Vikings fan. Oh, I mean, like, come on! They might go out into the streets and celebrate because you know it's just never happened before. One of one of my biggest fears, Jeremy, is that, and I I'll, I'm going to celebrate regardless, but that whether it's 
you know, whether it's the Vikings or the the Twins, they're gonna or pro- this probably more goes so, so more so goes with the Twins. But this is gonna be the year in my lifetime that I can remember that the Twins win the World Series, and it's gonna have an asterisk next to it because everyone's gonna be <laughs> like, it's the shortened season. It doesn't ma- It doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> Like yep. I'm like I, I've, but I'll still I'll still celebrate. I'll take it. Or they get busted for sign stealing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. It wouldn't be the Twins though. That would be the Vikings. Like if if the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl, a couple months later, you're gonna find out that they cheated. And hey, well the Saints cheated and nobody took their championship away from them. So oh yeah, there you go. All right, <laughs> let's keep it moving. Jeremy, why don't you tell us about the FA Cup? I know it's important to you since it's the only thing that Arsenal ever <laughs> wins. Wow. Gosh. That's their trophy, right? So the FA Cup is resuming on the 27th. You got Newcastle and Man City, uh, Sheffield United against Arsenal, Leicester against Chelsea and Norwich and Man U. All Premier League teams left. So should be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, it is it is Arsenal. That's that's their tournament. That's that's why we play the games, you know, to win that FA Cup. <laughs> so uh, you know, as long as Chelsea loses, that's all that really matters. I know I'm knocking the FA Cup a little bit by saying that's the only thing Arsenal ever wins. I love the FA Cup. Like, one of my favorites. It's really fun. That that was one of those that Jeremy and I really got into when we were living together. We would always, of course, until the big teams got in, we would always cheer for the little teams. And then we would cheer for the little teams to go as far as they possibly could go. And then, of course, like, I truly believe Chelsea winning the FA Cup means something. I'm knocking Arsenal because they only ever get to win the FA Cup. It does mean something. It's not as good as winning the league, but it's a big deal. When I remember... One of the first years I was really into it, um, Arsenal ended up winning the FA Cup and the team they played in the championship was Wigan. And that story, like their journey that year was crazy, Wigan Athletic. And like, it was almost like, I mean, yeah, I was cheering for Arsenal to win because that's my club and I, I that's who I cheer for. But like, had they lost that game, it still would have been really cool because like Wigan just made this crazy run. You know, and not that they're like a, I mean, they're still at that time were a Premier League team, but they were a bottom of the table. I actually think they got relegated that same year. Yeah. Um, and they almost they they w- almost won the FA Cup, and because Arsenal had already qualified for another tournament, they got relegated in the same year. Got to go to the Europa League tournament. So I don't know. It's kind of fun, <laughs> kind of cool. Serie A in Italy is also on its way back. It's going to return several days after the Premier League on Saturday, June 20th, with just 12 games remaining. Juventus has won the past eight titles, but they right now are only one point ahead of second place, Lazio. So we we will see what happens. Serie A, of course, is incredibly accessible to watch in the United States. I'm not thrilled about Juventus winning a ninth title. I'm not a huge fan of Lazio either, so I don't know how I feel about this one way or another, but I think this kind of shows how great of a league the Premier League is, because while Juventus has won the past eight titles, in that time, four different Premier League teams 
have won the title. And if we're going to another sport that we all love, in the NFL, there have been six different champions during that time. To me, this is the reason why the Premier League is the best league to follow in Europe. Because, well, you have teams like Juventus or Bayern who have just won for the better part of a decade in the Premier League. It's more competitive. Yeah, and and here's another, here's some more news, right? The NWSL is coming back as well. So the NWSL is scheduled to become the first American league in any team-based sport to resume with their Challenge Cup on June 27th. So I'm excited for that. Hopefully get a chance to watch some games. So similar to MLS's Orlando tournament, the Cup will be self-contained in Utah using facilities for Real Salt Lake, Utah Royals, and Real Monarchs. The nine teams will each play four preliminary games, and then the top eight will advance to a knockout rounds. And the final is going to be on July 26th. A bummer, though, is that Megan Rapino is not going to play because of COVID-19 and for the potential of injury. So the NWSL will be back, but without one of its biggest stars. Rose Lavelle, so far, seems like she's still playing, though. So she, she won our hearts in the World Cup. Badger alum, Rose Lavelle. We're, we'll hold we're, that against her. I'm cheering for her, so... I w- I'll be honest. I won't really care about the NWSL until Minnesota has a team just because right. I don't I don't really care about leagues if I don't have a personal connection to them. I will probably tune in a little bit just because live sport, that's fun. But until Minnesota has a team, it's hard for me to get interested. Here are my two questions. Eight of the nine teams make it into the knockout rounds. That seems a little excessive. Um, How do you feel if you're that one team? <laughs> it, it's like that. That doesn't. It should be four out of nine teams, right? Like you, or even six. Six out of nine teams let the top two have a bye, but eight out of nine teams make the knockout rounds. That seems a little weird. The only other thing is, I like Megan Rapino. She's the only star not playing. Now, Nagolo Conte for Chelsea is not playing because he's concerned of COVID-19, given his family history, and people are incredibly supportive. I don't know why it just feels like Megan Rapinoe, and she doesn't owe any explanation. She doesn't owe me anything. I just get the impression that she's just being a star and just doesn't want to play, so she's not going to? I don't know. Well, is, is this going to be their season? That was my impression of this, yeah. that this You know, was- so so maybe, maybe for her, from her perspective, you know, she, an older player, right, she wants to preserve her career, and and maybe this tournament isn't isn't worth it for her, you know, in that regard. And and that's, that's the impression I got, too, is just that the tournament wasn't worth it for her, and, and that's fine. She has... She has the right to make that decision. You almost got to take people at their word and just say, like, you know, if, if they're saying they don't want to do it, then, you know, assuming it's a legit reason. Because, like, right. I mean, I know just for me in my personal life, like, you know, everything out, out in the real world is starting to get back to normal. Restaurants are opening up. Golf courses are opening up. Pretty much everything's getting back to, you know, the social distanced but business as usual. But I'm still for essentially quarantine. Like I'm not, 
I'm only going out in a minimalistic time. I'm always wearing a mask when I'm out in public. I'm keeping myself in less contact. And that's just a personal choice I'm making. And I don't judge anyone who doesn't want to make that choice. And I appreciate anyone who wants to get out to the restaurants and get out to the bars or and do whatever, like awesome for you, but I can't afford to do that. And so I just don't see myself as someone who is being cautious. I can't really judge whether you're right or not, Sam, if they say that's the reason, I just got to take them at their word. And I'm with you too. Like, I'm not judging her for that. It just, it raises a question to me. I would never judge someone for being worried about COVID-19. And, you know, in this tournament, for example, one of the stadiums is in grass, on grass, and one of the stadiums is on artificial turf. And soccer players have been voicing in the United States for years on how they don't want to play on artificial turf. You know, of course, there are still MLS facilities that play on artificial turf. It's not as simple as just that, but I want to support anyone that's legitimately concerned about COVID-19. Yeah, you continue to do so, Sam. <laughs> do I? I mean, so let's let's recap. Let's recap today's episode. He's called he's called a very nice man a terrorist. He he's called uh, Megan Rapinoe a liar. Um, he's a, he's made a personal attack against Justin for supporting a known terrorist. Um, it's a banner day for you, Sam. Banner episode. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Am, am I a Trumper? Love you, Sam. <laughs> Stay off Facebook. <laughs> Maybe you've just been home alone for too long. You just—it's—it's it's made you jaded. It's made you a jaded old man, being stuck in your house. I think being a teacher for ten years has made me a jaded old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. So, anything else on this before we? you know, kind of move towards the end of the road here? No, I think we're at the end of the road. We appreciate you guys for listening. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Sam, do you mind if I plug a few things since I, um, I'm here guest starring on your, on your beautiful podcast? Yeah, let's, let's hear about you and your support for the Boogaloos. Let's go. <laughs> so obviously, you know, uh, my franchise football podcast um, that I do, but another kind of thing that I've started um, I've kind of gotten into the writing game and I'm writing for uh, the sports headquarters, uh, sportsheadquarter.com. And um, my third article just hit today. Um, so I've been writing about um, the NFL players for each team that need to make a leap in the 2020 season. Um, so if you're fans of this podcast and you're fan, if you've listened to my franchise ever, or you're just interested in supporting you know, an upstart company with some local writers that need your support, check out the sports headquarters and, you know, give a like to a couple of my articles. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I can't wait to hear about how Aaron Rodgers needs to dominate this year, take a step up and just, uh, you know, light the world on fire. It's going to be great. Well, actually, I am going to be working on a, uh, for the Packer fans out there, I'm going to be working on a Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love piece once my uh, series is done. So I'm, I'm starting working on that soon. So I, I almost heard Aaron Rodgers Jordy Love story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I think that would be one of those, that would be one of those novels by the checkout counter at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs>
thanks a lot for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, yeah. Jamie. It's great to have it's been you. Been fun. All right, all tied up, baby. Two to two. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, with James. Suck it, James. You heard it. Maybe we could have a super show someday. You and James on at the same time? Yeah. No, oh, man. Is that too much arsenal for you? It might be. It might be. But of <laughs> course, you know, not only did Justin invite a terrorist last time, but he invited a Tottenham fan. I know. I, yeah. Which is maybe worse than being a terrorist. I, I think it is. <laughs> Maybe okay. we can have it could be a celebratory if 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 Arsenal wins the FA Cup as they are known to do, we could have a, a victory podcast. <laughs> FYI, first one of our listeners to get Trump to tweet something bad about Tottenham. <laughs> you know what? Our we'll we'll rename our podcast after you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We appreciate it. We just, we're just honored that you're along for this ride, you know, supporting our hobby. So thank you guys. Until next time, pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Jeremy? Pot on you loons. Thank you, Jeremy.